So, hello, and welcome to part two of Blackula 1972 by Morgan Kitty, a horror shad. This episode will be going into the context of the film, and as this was a Kitty chosen film, she will obviously have more context and input. So I shall go over to Kitty. Thank you very much. Um, so, as I think we really did mention quite a lot, this is a black exploitation film. Yes. So, what does black exploitation mean? The exploitation film movement is basically this this kind of movement of cinema where um, exploitation film tries to exploit current trends, niche genres, or lurid content. Is essentially the kind of idea of an exploitation film. Mm-hmm. Last episode that I hosted, we talked about the Hays Code. A lot of kind of exploitation cinema was because the Hays Code was kind of phasing out. It, we People were able to do these kind of um, saucy and provocative things in cinema. And with that kind of came this idea of um, niching and yeah. um, making things um, specific. How much about exploitation film do you know? I know a little. I know it's started the whole... I know black exploitation that the exploitation of the black community, it's really hit the ground running in the 70s mm-hmm. from... I think it was from this film. There, there, are, there are other films that predate. Oh, okay. For sure, for I, sure. Well, I read as a link, it was that it was from this film. Um, but it's, yeah. This is they... one of the most iconic black exploitation films. Like, it yeah. really did um, shake, the, shake the genre. Yeah, and it's the exploitation of the black community through film and TV. And it's a film, it's a type of, it perpetuates and exaggerates the stereotypes of Yes. the community so you're kind of going more into black exploitation in as a whole yes i'm thinking exploitation in general exploitation okay. cinema in general so yes it is that idea of exploiting exploiting current trends and niche genres so mm-hmm. um it's that idea of cornering a market so for profit yeah for profit we want to, and you know, to to an extent, exploitation cinema has never ended. No. You have very much kind of. I feel like I mentioned Moxie. In oh yeah. Recent. But yeah, that's Moxie like, was recent mentioned. Yeah, that's like feminist. Mm. That's that's feminist exploitation cinema. We know, like, you know, girl boss films. It's yeah. that kind of thing of, like, this is a film that is cornering the girl boss market. Yeah, this is the current trend of the time. This is mm-hmm. the current market. We are going to use that and get money from it. Yes. And it's that idea of making a film specifically for an audience to get that audience's money. So other exploitation cinema genres... Um, zombie films is uh, viewed as an exploitation genre. Um, slashes, um, sex exploitation, which essentially mm. I was researching that, and it's this thing of essentially you get you get dangerously close to just like softcore porn. Um, yeah, as a film, um, it's how far can you go? Yes. Um, one very um, controversial exploitation genre is the um, rape revenge films. Yeah. Last House on the Left being like a very famous one. Mm-hmm. It's that, um, yeah, which is a very kind of niche idea of a film. Um, so again, that's why it falls under the exploitation genre. This is another one, but I never knew why this is called what it's called. Spaghetti westerns. What? You know, do you know the term spaghetti westerns? No. I have always heard spaghetti westerns, and I just thought they were like 
westerns. I just about thought, spaghetti. No, I, <laughs> oh. it, I just thought like spaghetti westerns is just like I just hear the term spaghetti westerns and my brain just thinks of you know the kind of like twangy guitar. And, like, oh the yeah, whole, like this town ain't big enough for the both of us. But that that's what I viewed. Mm. I just thought it was because I don't know if a twangy guitar for some reason made me. I was like, oh, that must be what it's referring to. It's westerns made by Italian filmmakers. That's why it's spaghetti western. (laughs) And the reason that's like spaghetti western is a very famous kind of genre is because Italian films in general were a lot more gory and violent. Yeah. Because Hollywood had its Hayes Code hangover still in effect. And Italian films were like, fuck it, we're putting all yeah. the good shit in this. Um, it, like, like I mean, for example, Giallo. Um, I always say Giallo, but potentially it... G-I-A-L-O. Giallo? Or possibly Giallo. Giallo. It's, it's definitely, it, it's essentially yellow in yeah. Italian. Um, because pulp books had yellow front covers. Yeah. So Giallo, like film, is um, essentially Italian slashes and they are extremely gory. Mm-hmm. So those are like kind of a array just to kind of show you that like exploitation cinema had various niches yeah. to various markets but yes one of the most famous niches was black exploitation yeah being a portmanteau of black exploitation and so, it's where the characters have to be of the black community most up front being viewed in the film um it's so like the protagonists and instead of like the sidekicks or the antagonists or just victims of brutality yes yes it is it is this idea that um you have to be centered on them yeah because you're making this film for the black audience you want the black audience to go to the cinema yeah you're going to put them as the primary protagonists um the term was coined in august of 1972 so that's why this film is always so closely connected to it. Uh, okay. Um, by Junius Griffiths, Griffin, Junius mm-hmm. Griffin. The thing about black exploitation, and the thing that we're really going to get into, is whether it is, I guess, a good or bad thing. Now, something that I think is very important to mention here and now is that I, for one, speaking for myself. Um, in no way qualified to say whether this is a good or bad thing. Mm. I am a white woman and I would never... I am not going to sit here and say to any, you know, black person viewing black exploitation films who feels that it is offensive, actually, no, this is a genre that was, you know, coined in blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Actually, some people find it offensive, some people don't find it offensive. It's interesting and similar to what I was saying with Freaks, important to look at these ideas. But yeah, I just, I don't know, I just wanted to kind of... Yeah, specify. And it's like, as well, with myself, I am white as well. Mm -hmm. I am Welsh Maori. So Mm -hmm. on, especially heavily on the Maori side, there's family have known colonisation and Mm -hmm. racial hate crimes. So... But I'm still also white. Mm -hmm. So as well, so I, whilst I have experience as well with this, I still don't have experience. Yeah, and a connection to it. I'm still white. I am not of the pop community. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm also not black as this, which is what we are talking about, is the Mm -hmm. black community. It's the idea uh, of, because I know... I watched this film for the second time hmm. in mid to late 19, um, 19? No, I'm not that old. <laughs> mid to late 2020. Now, so much 
conversation was going on because oh, yeah. that was around the time of George Floyd's mm-hmm. murder. Yeah. But I remember there was so much talk of when kind of the white community posted the blackout squares and it was very much a kind of, we are not qualified to be in this conversation. And a lot of the voices I heard from the black community kind of were retorting that and almost saying... Well, no, your voices need to be a boost. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, And you might not be qualified for conclusions. Yeah. But the second you exit the conversation... The conversation ends. Yeah. No, you or need it doesn't to be end, but it becomes an a echo part of chamber the conversation. Within. Yeah. Yeah. It's that thing of like, we are not qualified to give any kind of conclusion of so now we know that black people should love black exploitation cinema and there are no downsides to it. Or yeah. now we know this is a fully racist um archetype that should be left in the past. And we two white girls have decided <laughs> that that's the case. Yeah. It's a interesting communicate like it's an interesting topic to mm. delve into. And we actually had an interesting kind of session in school where because the school I work in is like predominantly of people of colour. We had a session on like race training. One of the things that they kind of said in it was almost kind of a, another thing that was, you know, that whole thing of don't step back because you feel not qualified for the conversation. It's no, you should be of, a part of it. Yeah. The, the person said, sit in the uncomfortable. Mm. It's that thing of like, have the conversations, even if you're like, oh, I think I said that part right. That there, there was this student who said, you don't need to tell me you're not racist because if I thought you were racist, I wouldn't have come and talked to you. Yeah. I just, yeah, we just kind of thought that was somewhat important to say yeah, as we were talking say. about Blackula. Just, yeah. Yes. So the thing with black exploitation cinema is the perpetuation of the stereotypes. Yes. Often these, it's good because there are main characters mm. that are black people. But often those black people are, you know, like pimps, drug dealers sex workers um the underbelly of society yeah it's like with the latin community or the hispanic community they're often viewed as drug dealers Mm -hmm. and to do with the cocaine trade because of stereotypes It, it is that idea of kind of if you are yes you're managing to be in the film but if you're managing to be in the film as a stereotype is that a step back? Yeah. Have you reinforced that idea? I did make a list of kind of, I, I, I was as I was researching it, I was making a list of kind of pros and cons. <laughs> Some of the pros I have is that many of the fil- films have themes of black characters overcoming the man or yeah. um, emblems of um, a white majority. Yeah, you, you have not so much in... Blackula. There are there are certain aspects of that throughout this film, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, in a, in a lot. It's of not films, heavily prevalent. Yeah, but in, in a lot of um, black exploitation films, you do have this this kind of lone um, again, often drug dealer, but often you know often criminal. But it it's just it's just often heart of gold kind of criminal who's mm. sticking it to. A pro that I found is it comes in many genres. It's one of those things that, um, although it's cornering the black community, it isn't just you only enjoy this kind of film. Yeah. Like there's, you know, there's horror with Blackula. There's like crime dramas. There was like romances. It's 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 all genres. Yeah. Great soundtracks. That's one of my pros. Yeah. This was a very great soundtrack to this film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and these films brought popularity to black characters in mainstream cinema. You know, you have these films which are fully centred around black characters, black stories, black narratives, and they became so popular that you had kind of mainstream cinema having black 
characters in them. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't have these films that were truly just about black characters, you probably wouldn't have had a lot of others that are now. Yeah, like like in like in Die Hard, mm. there's the two agents. And one of those agents is is a black man, and I know that's one of the examples that people point to of like you know like if, if yeah it's like we men in black had that movement yeah 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 it is that idea that like um there was clearly such an audience for yeah. black exploitation cinema that directors and filmmakers started to realize oh we can start putting them in regular films yeah but as well with black exploitation as well you, you said with exploitation film as a whole genre mm-hmm. with specific in like narrowing down on the niches of the time mm-hmm. whilst black exploitation was originally aimed at the black community um hollywood had realized the potential of racial exploitation and expanded its audience across other racial and ethnic groups mm-hmm. as well from this whole black exploitation movement essentially yeah yeah you you also have this idea that um it allowed for exploration of um various kind of so strange with all the words of just kind of like how how um the black struggle um Mm. what i mean by that and i think what people kind of tend to um in a film like blackula they can talk about the panthers you know the black panther movement this is a um a horror movie and yet organized uh, protest movements yeah a revolutionary organization is um, getting yeah mentioned. and whilst uh this film was 1972 mm-hmm. the black panthers were founded in 1968 and were mm-hmm. on the bigger rise in 68 mm-hmm. and this is only 72 this is only a few years later Mm-hmm. And it's already made it into film. Yeah, yeah. And and, and also one of my kind of... Yeah, there, there's this film, Mandigo, that is one of the, I think, earlier um, black exploitation films, um, which is often kind of cited as a bit of a... I guess this is my transition from pros to cons. Mm. Um, often cited as being quite controversial in its depictions but also it was it's a it's a film about um plantation um slavery Mm -hmm. um and it was able to show like a brutal portrayal um which was able to highlight the extreme brutality of it yeah which again is that kind of thing of because it, it links perfectly with a con of slave exploitation, which is even niche, became a bit of a sensational genre. Mm. Whereas all these genres about essentially, um, yeah, slave exploitation, it was all these films about um, um, slavery in which it was very much focusing on the black pain. Yeah. As opposed to the stories where they are centred. It's focusing on the the victimisation. Again, we've mentioned a lot, the hotbed of like drugs and crime that always tends to kind of be portraying um, black culture as um, seedy. And... um, then there is just the nature of the fact that it is exploitation. Yeah. The films were created for a profit. Um, yeah, they were created to bring in more money for Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. And 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 the thing is, this profit rarely, like, re-entered um, the black community. Yeah. You, you would you They were didn't get any from it, yeah. Yeah. So I guess... Because I, cause I was talking about this with, with friends as I was kind of, I was doing my research and they were kind of asking me like, you know, we, we met up after I'd done this research and they were kind of like, oh, what have you been up to today? And I was kind of like, 
I've just spent an hour researching black exploitation cinema and uh, <laughs> and like various um, really dark things. And then we were talking about, I was kind of trying to explain black exploitation cinema as a kind of concept. That thing of, well, it would be good if this was something that people wanted to do without it being for profit. Yeah. Which, yes, that would be good if people wanted to do this without profit. To a certain extent, I think we are in a capitalistic world and we do Mm. have to come to terms with the fact that profit is the driving motivation. Yeah, it's the margin, it's the means. Hmm. And it, it just that just made me think of the story of when I went to see Wonder Woman. Hmm. I went to see, I did physics at university. So the majority of my friends at uni were boys. Um, it, this was during the Marvel heyday. Um, and so superhero films were a dime a dozen and male superhero films were coming out of my ears as a friendship group we all went to see the wonder woman film Mm -hmm. and it's a terrible film it's should i say it's a terrible film gal gadot was pregnant whilst filming it whoa yeah wow it's a film that isn't the best film it definitely is even in terms of like superhero movies it's probably lower on the list of craft in the poncy way of saying craft Mm. but um is poncy homophobic it feels like it probably is coming from the same root as puffs oh do you mean no i've not really heard it that way i've heard it as pansy no pansy definitely yeah but i feel like poncy is also a word Probably everything we say has problematic roots, but I'm not getting stuck on that. Um, But there's a moment where Wonder Woman, everyone's in the trenches, they're getting hailed with bullets and missiles, and Wonder Woman goes out over the trenches and walks through the mist of no man's land And it's just the most superhero moment of all time. And I looked at a friend of mine, like, there were were three girls in my group. Hmm. Um, And three girls and, like, 11 boys or something like that. It it was, you know, ridiculous. That's what it is. And I looked over at her. And she had tears in her eyes and I had tears in my eyes. And it was such a beautiful hero moment. Tears of joy. Mm. It was just this moment of this is what it feels like to see a superhero and see yourself in them. Mm. It was that moment that like, in answer to that thing that my friend said about exploitation of cinema being only for profit yes and yes it would be good if they could do these things without needing a profit but to a certain extent i know wonder woman was made just for profit Mm. but no one can take away that tear of joy that i had seeing her walk across no man's land yeah it's like um when Moana came out, and that's a mm. Maori film. Yeah, yeah. And and I went to the cinema with my family and my dad to watch mm. it, mm. and it's he had tears in his eyes mm. when watching the film. He was he felt that connection. He felt like it was home, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And it was just because it not only is it. Um, it's an actual myth, isn't it? Um, isn't well, it? it's the... Okay, so um, it is part of it, like Maui is an actual demigod yeah. Yeah. within the belief system of mm-hmm. the Maui. And so a lot of it is centred around the belief system. 
yeah actual actual yeah and it's how it was his hook that pulled Mm -hmm. Otteroa or New Zealand out of the ocean Mm -hmm. and brought up this land Mm. and yeah so a lot of it and I know a lot of those because Mary they are part um, of the Polynesian Pacific Islander mm-hmm. group. So some of the demigods and gods and whole creation and mythos um, travel across through to like Hawaii, mm-hmm. um, the Samoa, Tonga, and a few other mm-hmm. places as well. So they all those communities, those cultures as well, would be able to see parts of mm-hmm. their own culture and their own beliefs. Within that, mm-hmm. and it, it, yeah, it is that thing of if cinema speaks to you to a certain extent, mm. it doesn't somewhat relate to that death of the artist question. In that, somewhat, that's the only thing I can think of to relate to it. It's it's that thing of if art speaks to you, does it matter if it was created just for money? Mm. If art speaks to you, does it matter why it was created? Because like 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 with me and Wonder Woman, like like with your dad and Moana, like if you have that moment, is the intention important? Yeah, which kind of feels like a bit of a like kind of feels like what we started this podcast with, like that idea. Yeah, we're coming full circle. Yeah. But yeah, so that's why I think black exploitation and, and exploitation cinema in a wider way as well is so interesting because it mm. is that question of technically exploitation is in the title. Yeah. And you you have a gut reaction of exploitation bad. Yeah. <laughs> because I think know. especially if when some films will take it the exploitation too far. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, and then and they don't do it respectfully. Mm-hmm. But the the thing the thing that I find with um, black exploitation cinema is, I guess, the counterpoint that I have to the fact of the profit was rarely re-entered back into the black community. Yeah, so many directors, so many black directors cite black exploitation cinema being this moment for them. Spike Lee, who directed Black Klansman. I don't know if you've seen the film Black Klansman. No, but I've heard of it. It's a very good film. Cliff Notes for Black Klansman. A very fun film. Has a lot of black exploitation elements in terms of like music. There's a whole scene where they talk about black exploitation cinema. Mm. And it, it's essentially a film about a, a black man who um, joins the KKK to to find out information to actually arrest. Yeah, some to members. take it down from within. Yeah. So I I would very much recommend that film. It's got um oh is it John David Washington? If you've seen Tenant, uh, no. He's a gorgeous man and he's in it. Okay. <laughs> so you know, gotta love a gorgeous man. Watch it for the plot. Yeah. Watch it for the music, watch it for the conversation on black exploitation, and watch it for the gorgeous man. It's ticking a lot of boxes. But yeah, Spike Spike Lee has has often said like black exploitation cinema is where he kind of started his love of cinema. So mm. you kind of have, I guess, a redemption yeah. of black exploitation, given that it has helped. It has helped so many black men find yeah. their voice. Black black directors in general. Not black men. Yeah specifically it's help them find their voice help them find a way to actually get out what they want to say Mm. and help them actually do the job that they want to do yeah and i guess do the job that black exploitation cinema said it would but never could yeah it's like we're gonna we're gonna finally tell your stories but we're actually only gonna tell stories of um drug dealers and pimps yeah and then the viewers of that cinema were able to years later actually to have that voice. So it, it, it kind of, yeah. Other context of this, again, I've done a lot Ooh, of research. So yeah. yeah, I have another note. Sorry, yes. I have a note. No, 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 do, that do it kind of fits, in. yeah, it kind of fits in with this whole exploitation part. Mm-hmm. And it's on William Marshall, mm-hmm. who plays Manuel Day. Mm-hmm. Um, he revealed in an interview how he wouldn't do the film unless he could use his black heritage as a character point. Mm-hmm. And 
it this is what caused the change of Prince Mamualde from being Andrew Brown to Mamualde. Ah, so do we know what Andrew Brown would have been? Um, I did not find that. Oh no, Andrew Brown was the original name of yes, Mamualde. Yeah, he was the original. Going to be count browns in town yeah yeah but the reason the name changed was because marshall William marshall yeah, wanted he was, to have that yeah that heritage that african heritage be front mm-hmm. and center yeah yeah so i part of and i didn't actually send you the shudder shudder yeah i forgot i didn't ask either it, it, it's okay i'll send it to you it after, was a busy again still yeah um, yeah, I still do want to see that. So one of the things that is so kind of interesting about Blackula as a film is the amount of times is the violence around the police. Yeah. So I we didn't really talk about it so much this time around on the recording that when Mama Walde stands in on the roof and is talking to Tina, obviously at this oh, yeah. point there's, there was this whole fight in this where, in the warehouse. And so essentially the block is on curfew mm. and you just have all of these swarms of police, police officers in, in, these... a, in a black neighborhood. Yeah. Essentially keeping them in. Yeah. And not you telling them why they're house. saying you cannot leave. You need to stay in. You need to get back indoors. And mm. they're doing it, you know, like in the, you know, when people are doing protests now and you see the police mm. with that get up with the shields and the batons. Yes. That is what they were like. It was just holes of them like that. They're just the fully lineup. going for it. Yeah. The lineup, Pushing them against is, the walls yeah. and to the sides, being like, you need to get back in your house. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they could have just, if they said, hey, everyone get back in, there's a killer there's on the loose. There's a dangerous murderer on the loose. Yeah. Any kind People of would have gone that, back in automatically. Yeah. Anything that kind of shows that they are actually on the side of the people. Yeah. Um, we would like you to be safe. Please go back inside. Important context for this film is, so this is 1970s, police brutality. And again, in the same way that we said in part one, 50 years later, there is still shoddy police work that is losing files relating to black victims. Police brutality of white officers to black men black women, black people, in the 1970s was rampant. In my research, I did look up several, several... There is a Wikipedia page that is just black people killed by police officers in the USA. Mm. And it's just name after name after name. And it's pre-2000s. And then after that, it's each year. And it is It hits hard. Yeah. It's chilling. I wanted to, I basically, I, I looked it up because I wanted to see if there was a specific increase or a specific thing about 1972 mm. of why they linked it so much. But I guess the thing is, and I, I guess it's quite a depressing fact of there was no specific increase. No. There just always has been a suppression, a murder of black people by the police force. Mm. Um, Martin Luther King was a junior was assassinated in yeah. 1968. This is a fact that's brought up in relation to another film in the in the Shudder documentary. But I also do still think in 1968, you were saying about 1968 and the Panthers. Yeah, because it was we 66, later. it was established, 68, mm-hmm. that's when the Panthers, after his assassination, they started becoming really? more prevalent yeah. and pushing the agenda. Yeah, and so, you know, 1968, Martin Luther King was assassinated and it's 1972. The thing is, like again, like the whole point of this kind of, I guess the whole point of this podcast is to look at the film as is and then mm. to look at the context of where the world was when the film was made. What state was the world in? What ideologies have been brought into the film because of the beliefs at the time? Yeah, yeah. And I think you really you really do just have to look at um yeah, like like only four years later and the and the impact that, you know, still to this day Martin Luther King yeah. Jr. is a an icon. Yeah. Um, and it's taught throughout. Yeah. And so to, you know, only be four years on his murder and legacy would still be felt. 
So I did just kind of want to, to bring that in yeah. in terms of the, the context that we're at. In a somewhat lighter way, in a somewhat lighter shift, is what mm-hmm. I mean. The Black Noir is yeah. a documentary that I have found on Shudder. I feel like I've seen that it is found elsewhere as well. Mm-hmm. If anyone wants to look, actually, do you know what? You, a band, have you seen... Oof, even just mentioning this. Have you seen Night of the Living Dead? Yes. Okay, that's fine. I was going to say, you can't watch a horror noir until we do Night of the Living Dead, but if you've already seen it, that's fine. Don't worry. It's because, obviously, um, the black main character in that film. Yeah. Um, essentially, horror noir is a documentary where they look at black characters throughout the genre of horror from its like beginning right up until now and they have lots of directors and actors talking about each film as they go through the the decades yeah it's all kind of chronological order and you have William Crane talking about this film and it's really good um I I I specifically watched the bits just where they talked about Blackula Mm. It's a really good film. And the, the thing I wanted to mention is, it didn't even really occur to me, but someone mentioned that the fact that we start in the 1700s and Mama Walde and Luva are wealthy yeah, was unheard of. I hadn't thought about that either. Yeah. you have you, And you're seeing them. And again, this is why I love that Luva's in her gorgeous mm. outfit. You're seeing them wealthy, but you're not seeing them wealthy in a Western view. No. They you're are seeing there. them wealthy as to who they are. Yeah. Well, I, I was watching it and it, it, it didn't even occur to me. Mm. But yeah, it is... Um, I think it didn't really occur to me because he stated he was a prince. Yes. But it, but it's not just the wealth. It's erudite and, and intelligent. Yeah. It's not wealth in terms of money. It's wealth in terms of knowledge. Mm-hmm. language understanding mm-hmm. and the self-restraint as well mm, yeah yeah and, and the way that they yeah the way that they will they present themselves, themselves in that conversation mm. yeah and yeah william crane mentioned that they wanted to call it count browns in town and he william marshall so crane and marshall both like put their foot down on that yeah um crane mentioned that he was the only black man in Mm. the um crew behind the scenes yeah the crew and they did not want they basically didn't want to make put any kind of money into it Mm. because again that's that's very much the reason why black exploitation cinema has a kind of b-movie reputation is because no money was really put into it yeah nobody wanted to give the black community money to create these films yet they still wanted to exploit the money out of them but so they did it in a way that they didn't give them too much money they gave them the bare minimum that they needed yeah yeah so that iconic scene with the cab lady and the slow motion Mm. very nearly didn't happen oh because they did not want to give them that like expensive slow motion camera it was a thing that that, like and that's one of the most iconic scenes yes yeah like it that that shot is perfect, mm. and they it's a masterpiece. Truly didn't it? Truly, nearly didn't happen because they weren't giving him resources. Yeah, and it was it, you know he really had to put his foot down and be like, look, I need this. Another thing that he really had to put his foot down on was the club scenes. Mm. In the club scenes, there are black people, there are white people. It is um it is a mixed club. Yeah. Um and Crane wanted this. Crane was very definite on it being a mixed club. Yeah, and he didn't so, want the barrier, the split, yeah. the divide. And so, you know, they were like, Okay, we'll have we'll have, you know, mixed um cast. Um and then he went into set and it was all the white actors on one side, all of the black black actors on the other side, and that was the way they were going to do it. Mm. And he was like, no, no, if we're doing this scene, 
we are going to have everyone integrated. We're going to have them mingle. Yeah. He was very definite about the look of this film being very yeah being very mixed and and mm. and I get it it almost does feel not post-racist but it, it doesn't feel like it there are scenes when it doesn't feel like it is in an area in like an era with segregation and things like that yeah you know what I mean yeah it, I picked up on that feeling as well when yeah, watching the film because with the mix of the characters in some scenes, you don't really see that prevalent racistness mm. until you actually get into the scenes where they use it, such as like with the two white beat cops. Yeah, yeah. And they make that comment. Yeah, and and you know when when Gordon's mentioning about the the report. Yeah, with the case files being missing, and then Jack's like, "Oh no, one of them, one of the victims is white, so it will show up." But, and it, it, it's almost this thing where because it's so not not race focused, not racist, I guess, um, in other scenes, it I feel like it extra highlights in it, extra shows it to be so jarring. Yeah. When they do use it to that effect. Yeah. It's that thing of like well, it clearly has we know this an... to be wrong because look at these integrated, you know Yeah, it has an added shock to it to the audience especially if it hasn't been prevalent so much throughout the film and Mm -hmm. so you're not really picking up on that and then all of a sudden you get hit by it Mm -hmm. and you get hit with it so strongly because it's not mentioned as much Mm -hmm. it's only in these short little scenes there is also um her name is rachel true Hmm. Played Rochelle in the craft. Okay. The 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 black witch in the craft. Yeah. Um. This is she's one of the people interviewed in uh, horror noir. Oh. But she was talking about Blackula, and um, she was mentioning about how there was so much. I mean, we talked about how gorgeous Mum Old is. Oh. And yeah. she said... And Gordon. She, and Gordon. But she, she was talking about um, how Dracula had never really, like, appealed to her. I mean, she... she yeah, he's not... That he was this um, kind of, I think, what was it, like, metrosexual white man. It's mm. just this kind of, like, slightly um, not attractive to her. This kind yeah, of... they're all normally disheveled and not made to be attractive kind of like Count Orlock yeah but Bala Lugoshi we you know oh gorgeous gorgeous yeah but but she she was just kind of I guess it's that kind of um no one had ever made a Dracula who was meant to be attractive to black women no obviously like attractiveness is can go beyond race but it it's that thing of um, the Bellagoses, the Christopher Lees are all these beautiful kind of um, extremely white looking, yeah. uh, you know, Christopher Lee and like extremely kind of well put together dandy-esque um, vampires. That, um, and they were made for the white audience. Yeah, that Rachel True was saying, Malawalde, Blackula was like, she was watching it and she was she had this like proper um sexual awakening essentially <laughs> where she was like oh my goodness this man and he's and he's terrifying but i kind of want him to catch me but yeah. I, oh and it's it's um yeah it's just this thing that you know when you when you make films with a wider audience or in this case not so much of a wider audience a very narrow audience in mind you are allowing them to experience what other people have experienced in cinema for ages you are making yeah. films for them and, it's and like she, I was watching, she had that moment yeah I was watching a show with my dad a little while ago and there were some Maori actors in this show um, which you don't really get mm. especially mm. and this was on Netflix as well mm. you don't really get that on no netflix on like major platform tv 
and he was able to he was like oh he got, he got really excited that they were on screen that he was watching them mm-hmm. and then i know one of the actors she was from the same tribe that my family my dad's family comes from oh yeah and he was like oh that's my cousin and he just got he got so excited mm-hmm. that he could see part of himself on there that he could yeah. have that relation yeah. and, and it is yeah. it is that so much more of that kind of um direct connection yeah i just it, it's just um the thing about blackula is its legacy is yeah that there's a, a miguel um nunez junior who is a, a black actor who is in films such as like friday the 13th say like like a horror um mm. again like all of these people interviewed for the documentary are like horror specific yeah black actors um or you know actors who have had iconic roles in horror he actually cites blackula as one of the main films that has like inspired him to become an actor um and and yeah it's just one of those things where i feel like it has such a lasting impact of like you know the the the, the generation of, of of black people who saw it and kind of you know had that direct connection and mm. you know sexual awakening or acting awakening or any kind of awakening where they saw themselves on cinema or saw what they wanted to see on cinema and, and I feel like that was especially an even bigger effect at the time because it was 1972 mm-hmm. I feel like that that's as much context as I can mm. kind of um delve into but it is I think when I first saw Blackula I was very nervous about it and probably a lot of that nervousness comes from a heaping an unuseful amount of white guilt you know I I, I went into watching it being like oh no it's black exploitation cinema and I've heard that's a bad thing because of you know exploitation and all the things we have discussed Mm. and I feel uncomfortable with talking about race and all of those things you know going into watching it that first time I was like oh this is gonna be a grit and bear it type of watch yeah um, and then I was so pleasantly dis- surprised by this amazingly romantic um film and that in itself is enjoyable yeah and every time I've watched it since I have found more sometimes through unfortunate not even unfortunate but you know like like I said I, I re-watched it again in um 20 20 you know partly because it's a wonderful film and it was October I think when I watched Mm. it um you know it was Halloween I wanted to watch a horror film but you know on my mind part of that was because of the things that were happening in the world at the time yeah with George Floyd and Brianna Taylor yeah Brianna Taylor yeah and so yeah I I feel like each time I rewatch it sometimes there's more to discover sometimes it's heartbreaking when there's Mm. that more to to delve into but I've been talking a lot what do you think (laughs) no I I really enjoyed it I know when I was going into this film watching it you'd I didn't quite have that same feeling that you did when you first went into it Mm -hmm. um because I'd heard from you that it was a good film that it was fun to watch so I was like okay I'm gonna watch this but then I also had the, you said that it was one that you needed to do a lot of research on. Yeah. So I I did have a little hesitation. I kept in the back of my mind, okay, what exactly am I going to be expecting? But I mm-hmm. was very pleasantly surprised in, especially for the time that it was made, I was very pleasantly surprised with how well it was done. Yes, yes. It, um... And um, for it to be, I wasn't, expecting it because you didn't say that it was going to be a romance at all so I did not expect that romance and I quite liked that because I've never really watched um horror romance Mm. before because I'm not I mean Candyman oh yeah but I'm not like it's not a big 
thing. Yeah. No, no, no. It definitely you, you think of you think of comedy horror films. Yeah, you think of or, comedy horror, action you know, horror, um, sci-fi horror. You don't. Yeah. Romance horror is not one of the ones that's up there that you think of. Yeah, yeah, and this is truly a masterpiece. The charges, yeah, perfect. Um, it's beautiful and as I've said in a previous episode I am not normally brought to tears with films Mm. Um, it's a very rare occurrence and so when Mm. a film does water my eyes up or makes a tear roll down my cheek or if I'm fully crying then Mm. it is a hard-hitting film it is a very good film it's like when we went we watched Woman King that mm. one that had me crying, yeah. and Oof. it was just oh, it was so hard hitting. It was so beautiful, but yeah, it's like with this one as well. It was just I was not expecting it that romance, and it was it was beautiful. It is, it is, it is. yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said after the introduction scene, I'm assuming that you've now listened to the whole of the plot summary so yeah it has entirely been spoiled but again this is one that I really would urge you to watch even though we've told you the whole plot mm. uh, yes we can, watch only, it. we can only save it like line deliveries as well as we can we are not yeah William we Marshall. do not give those lines justice yeah like trust me when I say William Marshall will do yeah you need to hear it out of his own mouth times better yeah that is probably all that can really be said mm. on Blackula, or at least all that can really be said at this point in time by these exact people yeah. at 11.24 at night. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, on a school night of all occasions. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thank you. Um, we have been... Um, Mog and Kitty of A Horror Shed. Um, please do follow our Instagram at, um, is it A underscore or just A? Yeah, a I think it's A underscore horror, horror underscore shed. shed. Yes. And the Gmail is A Horror Shed, no underscores, no. at gmail.com. Please feel free to talk to us on any medium you prefer. Mm-hmm. We would love to hear your thoughts, feelings, opinions. Yeah. If you know anyone who would appreciate this podcast, share um, it onto them. Share it onto a friend. Introduce us to your friends. Yeah. Through podcast form. Next week, Mug will be doing a carnival of souls. A carnival of souls from nine. 1962? Yes, 1962. Yes. Make sure to watch that film mm, before give it a check the out. episode comes on. I need to find it. I have no idea what it's about and I'm looking forward to finding out. Mm-hmm. Um, and as always, until next time, stay groovy.